Gentlemen, spacemen! Mind Bend on Mars, Episode 3. Dirk Danger kneels down to investigate his old enemy, but something's not right. He hears laughter behind him. It sounds like Dr. Mindbender's laugh, but how could that be? Find out next time on Gentlemen, Spacemen! Hello, and welcome back to Gentlemen, Spaceman's Atomic Hideout. Each episode, we explore classic sci-fi from the atomic age and beyond. I'm your host, Brad Grahowski. If you'd like to know more about me, please visit thevoiceofbrad.com. If you are enjoying the Atomic Hideout, that makes us happy. I love creating each episode, but it is a lot of work. If you would consider subscribing and leaving a review wherever it is that you enjoy listening to podcasts, I'd greatly appreciate it. It may take you just a moment, but it will help new listeners find their way to the hideout. This episode, we return to Raid Bradbury's Morgue Ship with Part 2, originally appearing in the summer 1944 edition of Planet Stories. Let's return to the Morgue Ship. Morgue Ship, written by Ray Bradbury, Part 2. Prickles of sweat appeared on Rice's face. He swore at the Venusian, and the Venusian laughed like some sort of stringed instrument, high and quick. Burnett laughed too, ironically. First time in my years a man ever came aboard the Constellation alive. It's a welcome change. Lafla showed his needle-like teeth. I thought it might be. Where's your radio? Go find it, snapped Rice hotly. Hmm, I will. One hand, blue-veined on the ladder rungs, Lethla paused. I know you're weaponless. Purple cross regulations. And this airlock is safe. Don't move. Whispering, his naked feet padded white up the ladder. Two long breaths later, something crashed. Metal and glass and coils. The radio. Burnett put his shoulder blades against the wall metal, looking at his feet. When he glanced up, Rice's fresh, animated face was spoiled by the new bitterness in it. Lethla came down like a breath of air on the rungs. He smiled. That's better. Now we can talk. Rice said it slow. Interplanetary law declares it straight, Lethla. Get out. Only dead men belong here. Lethla's gun grip tightened. More talk of that nature and only dead men there will be. <laughs> he blinked. But first, we must rescue Creer. Creer? Rice acted as if he had been hit in the jaw. Burnett moved his tongue back and forth on his lips silently, his eyes lidded listening to the two of them as if they were a radio drama. Lethla's voice came next. Rather unfortunately, yes, he's still alive, headed toward Venus at an orbital velocity of 2,000 miles per hour, wearing one of these air chrysali. Enough air for two more hours. One flagship was attacked unexpectedly yesterday near Mars. We were forced to take the lifeboats, scattering, Creer and I in one, the others sacrificing their lives to cover our escape. We were lucky. We got through the Earth cordon unseen, but luck can't last forever. 
We saw your morgue ship an hour ago. It's a long, long way to Venus. We were running out of fuel, food, water. Radio was broken. Capture was certain. You were coming our way. We took the chance. We set a small time bomb to destroy the life rocket and cast off wearing our chrysalis helmets. It was the first time we had ever tried using them to trick anyone. We knew you wouldn't know we were alive until it was too late and we controlled your ship. We knew you picked up all bodies for brief exams, returning alien corpses to space later. Royce's voice was sullen. A setup for you, huh? Traveling under the protection of the Purple Cross? You can get your damned almighty safe to Venus. Lethla bowed slightly. Who would suspect a morgue rocket of providing safe hiding for precious Venusian cargo? Precious is the word for you, brother, said Rice. Enough! Lethla moved his gun several inches. Accelerate toward Venus. Moat detectors wide open. Career must be picked up. Now. Rice didn't move. Burnett moved first, feeling alive for the first time in years. Sure, said Sam, smiling. We'll pick him up. No tricks, said Lethla. Burnett scowled and smiled together. No tricks. You'll have Creer on board the Constellation in half an hour, or I'm no coroner. Follow me up the ladder. Lethla danced up, turned, waved his gun. Come on. Burnett went up quick, almost as if he enjoyed doing Lethla a favor. Rice grumbled and cursed after him. On the way up, Burnett thought about it, about Lethla poised like a white feather at the top, holding death in his hand. You never knew whose body would come in through the starport next. Number 98 was Lethla. Number 99 would be Creer. There were two shelves numbered and empty. They should be filled. And what more proper than Creer and Lethla should fill them? But he chewed his lip. That wouldn't need a bit of doing. And even then, the cargo wouldn't be full. Still, one more body to get. One hundred and you never knew who it would be. He came out of the quick thoughts when he looped his long leg over the hole rim, stepped up, faced Lethla in a cramped control room that was one glittering swirl of silver levers, audio plates, and visuals. Chronometers, clicking, told of the steady dropping toward the sun at a slow pace. Burnett set his teeth together, bone against bone, helped Creer escape. See him safely to Venus and then be freed? Sounded easy. Wouldn't be hard. Venusians weren't blind with malice. Rice and he could come out alive if they cooperated. But there were a lot of warriors sleeping on a lot of numbered shelves in the dim corridors of the long years, and their dead lips were stirring to life in Burnett's ears. Not so easily could they be ignored. You may never catch up with the war again. The last trip. Yes, this could be it. Capture Creer and end the war. But what ridiculous fantasy was it made him believe he could actually do it? Two muscles moved on Burnett, one in each long cheek. The sag in his body vanished as he tautened his spine, flexed his lean-sinewed arms, wet, thin lips. <laughs>
Now, where do you want this crate? He asked Lefla easily. Lefla exhaled softly. Cooperation. I like it. You're wise, Earthman. Very, said Burnett. He was thinking about 3,000 eternal nights of young bodies being ripped, slaughtered, flung to the vacuum tides. Ten years of hating a job and hoping that someday there would be a last trip and it would all be over. Burnett laughed through his nose. Controls moved under his fingers like fluid, loved, caressed, tended by his familiar touching. Looking ahead, he squinted. Hmm, there's your ruler now, Lethla, doing somersaults. Looks dead, a good trick. Cut power, we don't want to burn him. Burnett cut. Creer's milky face floated dreamily into a visual screen, eyes sealed, lips gaping, hands sagging, clutching emptily at the stars. We're about fifty miles from him, catching up, Burnett turned to Lethla with an intent scowl. Funny, this was the first time and the last time anybody would ever board the constellation alive. His stomach went flat, tautened with sudden weakening fear. If Creer could be captured, that meant the end of the war, the end of shelves stacked with sleeping warriors, the end of this blind searching. Creer, then, had to be taken aboard. After that, Creer, the Almighty, at whose behest all space had quivered like a smitten gong for part of a century. Creer revolving in his neat water-blue uniform, emblems shining gold, Heat gun tucked in glossy jet holster. With Creer aboard, chances of overcoming him would be eliminated. Now, Rice and Burnett against Lethla. Lethla favored because of his gun. Creer would make odds impossible. Something had to be done before Creer came in. Lethla had to be yanked off guard, shocked, bewildered, fooled. Somehow. But how? Burnett's jaw froze tight. He could feel a spot on his shoulder blade where Lethla would send a bullet crashing into his ribs, sinew, artery, heart. There was a way, and there was a weapon, and the war would be over, and this would be his last trip. Sweat covered his palms in a nervous smear. Steady, Rice, he said matter-of-factly. With the rockets cut, there was too much silence, and his voice sounded guilty standing up alone in the corner of that silence. Take controls, Rice. I'll manipulate the starport. Burnett slipped from the control console. Rice replaced him grimly. Burnett strode to the next console of levers. That spot on his back kept aching like it was sear-branded X, for the place where the bullet sings and rips and if you turn quick, catching it in the arm first, why? Creer loomed bigger, a white spider delicately dancing on a web of stars. His eyes flicked open behind the glassite sheath and saw the constellation. Creer smiled. His hands came up. He knew he was about to be rescued. Burnett smiled right back at him. What Creer didn't know was that he was about to end a ten years' war. There was only one way of drawing Lethla off guard, 
and it had to be fast. Burnett jabbed a purple-topped stud. The starport clashed open as it had done a thousand times before, but for the first time it was a good sound, and out of the starport, at Sam Burnett's easily fingered directions, slid the long claw-like mechanism that picked up bodies from space. Leflo watched, intent and cold and quiet. The gun was cold and quiet, too. The claw glided toward Creer without a sound, now dreamlike in its slowness. It reached Creer. Burnett inhaled a deep breath. The metal claw cuddled Creer in its shiny palm. Leflo watched. He watched while Burnett exhaled, touched another lever, and said, You know, Lethla, there's an old saying that only dead men come aboard the constellation. I believe it. And the claw closed as Burnett spoke, closed slowly and certainly all around Creer, crushing him into a ridiculous posture of silence. There was blood running on the claw, and the only recognizable part was the head, which was carefully preserved for identification. That was the only way to draw Lethla off guard. Burnett spun around and leapt. The horror on Lethla's face didn't go away as he fired his gun. Rice came in fighting, too, but not before something like a red-hot ramrod stabbed Sam Burnett, catching him in the ribs, spinning him back like a drunken idiot to fall in a corner. Fists made blunt flesh noises. Leflo went down, weaponless and screaming. Rice kicked. After a while, Leflo quit screaming, and the room swam around in Burnett's eyes as he closed them tight and started laughing. He didn't finish laughing for maybe ten minutes. He heard the retriever claws come inside and the starport grind shut. Out of the red darkness, Rice's voice came and then he could see Rice's young face over him. Burnett groaned. Rice said, Sam, you shouldn't have done it. You shouldn't have, Sam. Ah, to hell with it, Burnett winced and fought to keep his eyes open. Something wet and sticky covered his chest. Uh, I said this was my last trip, and I meant it. One way or the other, I'd have quit. This is the hard way, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Kinda nice to think of all those kids who'll never have to come aboard the Constellation, though, Rice. His voice trailed off. You watch the shelves fill up, and you never know who'll be next. Who'd have thought four days ago? Something happened to his tongue, so it felt like hard ice blocking his mouth. He had a lot more words to say, but only time to get a few of them out. Rice. Yeah, Sam. We haven't got a full cargo, boy. Full enough for me, sir. <laughs> but still, not full. If we went back to center base... Without filling the shelves, it wouldn't be right. Look there. Number 98 is Lethla. Number 99 is Creer. 3,000 days of rolling this rocket. <sighs> and not once come back.
without a bunch of the kids who want to sleep easy on the good green earth. <sighs> Not right to be going back anyway, but uh, the way we <sighs> used to. His voice got all full of fog, as thick as the fists of a dozen warriors. Rice was going away from him. Rice was standing still, and Burnett was lying down, not moving, but somehow, Rice was going away a million miles. Oh. <laughs> uh, ain't I one hell of a patriot, Rice? Then everything got dark except Rice's face, and that was starting to dissolve. 98. Lethla. 99. Creer. He could still see Rice standing over him for a long time, breathing out and in. Down under the tables, the blood pumps pulsed and pulsed, thick and slow. Rice looked down at Burnett and then at the empty shelf at the far end of the room, and then back at Burnett again. And then he said softly, One hundred. I hope you enjoyed Morkship Part 2 by Ray Bradbury. Next up, we'll hear a story that feels quite topical these days, with the rise of AI and all the excitement and fear that it brings. The story is titled, appropriately enough, Ask a Foolish Question, and it was written by Robert Sheckley. The Gentleman's Spaceman's Atomic Hideout was written, produced, edited, and performed by Brad Gerhowski. For more information about the Atomic Hideout, visit thevoiceofbrad.com spaceman. If you are enjoying Gentleman's Spaceman's Atomic Hideout, please subscribe, and consider leaving a review wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Thank you and journey well among the stars.